Hello and welcome to Is This Really For Kids, a podcast where I, your host, the attention decide, hey, is this really for children and I'm qualified because I once was a traumatized child and now I am a filmmaker and I'm making a couple of films for teenagers as we speak, but not literally as we speak because right now I'm podcasting. Anyway, the next thing up on our list is a little gem that seems to be hidden because when I say, oh, have you guys seen Cruel Summer? They're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I, I 100% believe that this series was inspired by Demi Lovato's Cool for the Summer, but there's actually no proof of that. Also, I realized I just made a mistake because it's Cool for the Summer, not Cruel for the Summer, but it's fine. Anyway, here we are, the 90s, right? Great times. I was being a toddler through most of them. But basically, we see Jeanette Turner, who is woken up by her father, wishing her a happy birthday. I also love that every year in June 21st that her dad wakes her up, there's no situation in which another family member wakes her up. It's always her dad, like clockwork that year. I, I've i never had a consistent father, so can't relate or super comment on what that's like. JK, I lied. Her dad doesn't wake her up all the times. In 1994, her boyfriend wakes her up, but he had to arm wrestle her dad to wake her up. It's also a little weird. I mean, maybe she's just a late sleeper and the boyfriend's an early riser because he looks like a jock and she's kind of a mess. And then we've got 1995 where I was born and her dad wakes her up and he's very angry and he says that the lawyer is here, which just sums up, I guess, the year that I exist in, you know? So in 1993, Jeanette is really nerdy. She's got the braces, the glasses. She's hanging out at the mall with her friends. And Kate, who we see Kate with her boyfriend in 1993, making out in front of the kiosk, right? Kind of something that Jeanette doesn't have yet because here she feels like very much into girlhood and we see her kind of slam into womanhood. And I really like the way that they play with time in this. I think it's just a very interesting storytelling device. In 1993, Mallory, who is played by Kevin Smith's daughter, wants them to do something illegal as long as it's not immoral. And well, that kind of blows up in everybody's face in a weird way, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Also to establish, because she saw Kate making out and having her friends, Kate is a grade above her and Jeanette is a grade below Kate. I honestly didn't pick that up. I thought they were in the same grade, but no. Then in 1994, Jeanette is having the perfect time roller skating, just having a blast, baby, as Todd from White Guys Connect would say. Uh, I love that Snoop Dogg vine. And her friends are now Kate's friends. And she has had sex with her boy, Jamie, for the first time. And Jamie is joined by his friend, Ben, who is surprised that he still likes Jeanette and asks if he thinks about Kate. And Jamie is like, he claims that he doesn't think about Kate. And Ben asks if she thinks that Kate ran away. But Jamie is like, well, that's better than the alternative. But Jamie is really happy with Jeanette. And they honestly, they really seem like it. Then here we are back in 1995. And Jeanette is watching, there's a lot of J names, I honestly just realized. So Jeanette is watching footage of the news where Kate is missing for two weeks. And then Mallory, who is a snake, honestly, I think has like a, a 1994 news tape who she says that 
Jeanette is convincing overnight and Mallory tried to be a good influence, even though we just saw Mallory being a bad influence. So tisk tisk. Can't trust Mallory, honestly. I also had a friend, Mallory, who was kind of rude to me in a weird way, in that 13 girl way. So learned from experience. Speaking of Mallory, we go into 1994, where it's been a year after Kate's disappearance, and Mallory sees Jeanette with her friends and congratulates her for her sex, and Jeanette is, like, telling Mallory that she's been here for them and that her friends pulled away too, and if they want to talk to her, they know where to find her. And Mallory says that she sounds just like Kate, which I feel like Jeanette didn't copy Kate that much, but does have a lot of the similarities of Kate's life but is still I feel like her own version and not like a carbon copy of Kate. I do think her friends are right to feel discarded. Her one friend Vince had like a crush on her and I get that their feelings. I don't think this is the right way to take it on it but it, you know they're children so they don't know a lot better. In 1995 Jeanette gets a smoothie thrown at her and people are calling her a psycho. They feel like the lawyer that is involved in the next case feels like she's not going to be likable. They want the jury to root for her, but Jeanette doesn't really give the impression that she's the wrong party. And there's like graffiti on the garage because people just hate Jeanette. I have a really hard time believing that they would turn so hard on this teenage girl, but it's the 90s and I guess it's small town Texas, so... What else can you expect? Uh, I mean, like, the National Enquirer did an article where they called her a Satan worshiper and the governor of Texas called her a disgrace. Like, it feels like there's so many huge things that it kind of takes me out that this would happen to a person. Like, I don't know. I had a feeling really bad for Jeanette and it's a journey. It's a journey. And Jeanette comes to the conclusion, which I think she's kind of felt her whole life, is that they don't want her to be herself they want her to be more like Kate even though she got in trouble for being like Kate in the first place. Also she's got a brother who almost ditched her in 1993 because he had tickets to a boys to men concert who I've never even I feel like heard a boys to men song at least knowingly you know. It's interesting because her mom and her brother aren't really around. Her dad is also dating a bartender in 1993. She's hot but there seems to be like a cheating scandal that we don't really get full wind of in this season to my memory or it's just very barely taught. In 1994, there's a gunshot, which like, welcome to Texas. I mean, even though you hear gunshots in California and LA all the time. And another important thing to, to discuss before we go about is in 1993, they find this like hide and seek house and that principal Martin Harris has been in the hide and he lives in the hide and seek house that they've been doing because I think Jeanette's dad is a realtor and has the keys and everything. At first I thought that Mallory was the guilty one but my boyfriend called it from the start and said that he thought the guilty one was the principal but basically Jeanette is the most hated person in the nation and like what she did was definitely not in the feminist code right she maybe fails at being a true girl power but i don't know that she is should get all of this hate because she like is an actual child then in 1994 her friends say that they found kate and jeanette assumes that she is dead but she's not and kate is just in shock like really shut down and then jeanette goes to jamie to talk with him 
and Jamie rushes out and punches Jeanette in the face, telling her to leave, and it's pretty awful. Like, I don't, like I said, I don't think she deserved to be punched in the face. Like, they are really, really harsh to her. Obviously, I know the ending, but also the fact that Jeanette lies about this, and I feel like she should have said that. It absolutely was Jamie, but I guess it's hard when you're in love, but I feel like that could have helped her case to be like, yeah, literally before anything happened, I got punched in the face, like, by a boy, which is not okay. So Martin Harris, the principal, was the kidnapper, and he, fortunately, honestly, I was gonna say unfortunately, but it's probably for the best that he died, so tax dollars don't go to keeping this guy alive in prison when he is kidnapping children and being super weird, but... Basically, Martin Harris got killed in the shootout and Kate goes into a police car, which is just super traumatic after everything she's been through. Then we see that in 1993, Jeanette has Martin's house key in her back pocket and we know that she has access to Martin's house. So then in 1995, she's watching Kate Wallace's interview where she talks about being abducted by, excuse me, he was the vice principal, not the principal, still terrible. And Kate says that she was found by a girl she didn't know and and that Kate really believed that she found salvation and she was hoping that the girl would bring her help, but help never came and that the girl took over her life when she was gone and she wants the girl to go to jail, but there's a lot of laws preventing it. So she says that she wishes that Jeanette Turner would rot in hell because that is the person. And it is awful that Jeanette didn't help her, but I also like, I don't know what I would do in that situation. I don't know if you know what you would do in that situation. Like, you have to go say that there is a girl in Martin's house and you probably could have said it, but like, would have anybody have believed Jeanette really? Like this younger girl? I mean, it's like a teenage girl. And if she's like, like when she was breaking the thing into and going to the house and is like, I saw Kate there. Like, and I could imagine too being shocked and being like, I don't even know, like, if that's what I saw. I don't know if I should go back in there. Like, I don't know. I feel like they are being incredibly harsh to her because that is an incredibly difficult situation. And the real perpetrator is Martin, but of course he's already dead. So it's like a hard thing of like, I guess, like wanting somebody else to suffer as much as she did. But that's like not the best for Kate to feel. But I guess like having all the anger and not having it go anywhere and the person just being dead, even though there was like moments of tenderness between them. It's it's a complicated situation, y'all. Complicated situation. So here we are back in 1993 where there was jazzercise, colorful clothes. I love it. Then we go into 1994 and her mom tries to put earrings in her ears but the the holes of clothes because she hasn't worn like a lot of earrings so they bleed and she no longer feels that her old friends were her friends which I could maybe understand because like once you've gone through an experience that traumatic like how do you become a regular person again like and pretend all that time that elapsed didn't happen. 1995 Kate is singing in front of a truck asking the driver to come dance with her and booing when he refuses bold girly bold and in 1993 she is in a basement and the small windows that she looks over are covered with barbed wire and boards then we go back to the workout class that kate is in with her mother and jeanette and cindy are also in the class and joy kate's mother is like she has to work out because also her husband will run off with a football client and they would be left poor which is just i guess 
good good workout motivation but still sad and Jeanette is like obsessed with this one necklace that she has I think because Kate compliments it now that she got it for her birthday and Joy doesn't really encourage the friendship between Kate and Jeanette even though it was like suggested that they all have like a spa day so then we see Kate in a bathtub with her clothes on holding her breath underwater I have so many questions about her being kidnapped like was she allowed to bathe like what did he do with that what was that like? It must have been terrible, very scary. Not that I'm trying to wonder about an underage girl in the shower, but you know what I mean. I'm just wondering, like, how did the logistics of not being smelly work with being, like, kidnapped for all that time, you know? Like, I just have a lot of questions. Kate just feels really replaceable. She's very upset that Jamie and Jeanette got together and she, like, wants to know how, but also doesn't want to know how. And Jamie says they got together because he was putting up missing person flyers and Jeanette offered to help. And he, Kate is all freaked out that Jamie hit her, which is like, I kind of appreciate Kate for that being like, you can't be a person that hits people. And Jamie is, assures Kate that Jeanette is an imposter and couldn't steal her life, which is like kind of true. She can't really steal her life, but it, I mean, like the similarities are weird, but also like sometimes you just get closer to people and it can like happen but yeah it's it's very weird but anyway Jamie is like hey you know Kate you can reclaim your life which is I think very powerful so Kate shows her belly button ring to her stepfather who says that's painful even though he had a shoulder dislocation from football but I guess he would rather be tackled than pierced you know to each their own and Kate is like you know the belly button piercing was like nothing she's been through a lot worse and he's like her mom is gonna freak out when she sees it but Kate wants that to happen and Kate also skipped therapy because she's just tired of talking about what happened. Also supposedly Kate's mother said something really mean to her and that's no good and she had to think about it the whole time when she was away so that is not amazeballs. Also in 1993 she hears that her dad was like trying to cheat into this thing where people are spreading lies essentially of like oh they're like yeah I saw somebody said that they saw Jeanette seeing Kate tied up to a wall like chained to a wall and Kate's like I was never chained to a wall and she's like spacing out which is like a PTSD symptom and Kate is really upset that her friends were best friends with Jeanette and that is a little weird but I also like I don't know that she could fully be upset because like it like she wasn't there and they didn't know at the time so in 1993 this is where it gets a bit complicated and I don't fully understand it because a little bit of it is politics and my brain just tunes out because it is so frustrated with the system at this point in time so basically there's this woman Candace who's on this on the city council Kate's mom says that Candace chased after Rod when he was in town and Sydney also chased him, but Joy ended up snatching it up because she was a widow with a daughter. And Kate suspects that Rod is the reason that our mom hates Cindy. These are Jeanette's parents. I feel like names in television shows are so difficult and like names are already hard for me in real life. But yeah, so basically Joy feels like Cindy wants to be her. And Kate likes Jeanette, but Joy thinks that it's very similar. So this is like kind of putting the idea that her mom kind of poisoned her, right? And I'm sure in some ways there's like an emotional 
immaturity happening, unfortunately, because she was chained in for a year. Like, she didn't have the development that most high school girls would get. So Kate thinks that Candace will have feelings for Ron, but Joy, her mom, just kind of brushes it off because she's like, everyone has feelings for her man. He's so hot. Then Martin Harris is an absolute creep watching her laugh with her friends. So in 1994, Jamie is like mad Kate's weird, even though that's like super unfair because she's been through a lot. Jeanette wants to talk with Jamie, but eventually agrees to talk to her. Ben is also a little worried that Jamie's gonna hit Jeanette again, but he is like promises that his words are gonna hurt more, which is just like this poor... (laughs) teenage girl like just didn't deserve all this so ben doesn't know who to believe in 1995 and he does blame jamie for what's happening and i guess she's a little at fault but she's not at fault like i don't know i feel like they don't have a lot to go on but they're chugging with the story anyway so rod and joy go to a party after kate was just rescued and greg finds it strange he drops Derek off And as he's Jeanette's brother, everybody's kind of weird about him. But yeah, that would be really weird to have everybody like turning against your family member at a party. It would be a very strange thing. Also really tells how just like unavailable Kate's parents were to just be like, oh, you got into a kidnapple. We have to go to this event. Ha ha. Like, it's like, no, you need to like probably pay attention to your daughter and see what she wants. In 1994, Jamie is saying that he could protect her. And Kate is just like, yeah, you can't because you didn't. And Jamie also lies about meeting up with Jeanette, which is, he's shady. And Kate says that she was just glad she got to skip some of the events of the parties, which, and that was like the one good thing she was locked up in the basement for, which was just like, yeesh, wow. I'm sure I would, I feel like if you came out of that, you'd be like grateful even for those events, but I don't know. The little teenager is very angry. So then, huge yikes, in 1993, everybody is gushing all over how hot Martin Harris is. I don't agree. He 100% looks like a serial killer and that turns me off, but I guess some people like it. People like Dahmer. And they find out that Candace Johnson is having an affair and Kate tries to pursue her mom to like come see for herself but she just believes that Kate is making up stories. And she goes and finds Candace and Rod reading a brochure on where he's planning to take Joy on this romantic cruise, which is like weird, but I also could see wanting to like show somebody that and like another female and be like, what do you think? Or especially if you're trying to make a surprise, like you like want to tell somebody, like I'm definitely somebody who doesn't want secrets. But yeah, her mom gets really mad that she's making false accusations about Rodney cheating. Mom was really mean about that and basically like accused her of ruining the family too. It was, yeah, it was a bit of a harsh reaction, but her mom was just kind of one of those Texas moms, you know, hit you where it hurts. In 1994, Joy is giving this speech about how welcoming the city was and when her husband died of cancer and they welcomed Rod in and she addresses that like oh it was weird that her she was going to a party after Kate was found but she was like if she could muster the strength to get out of bed when Kate was missing she could do this and she was like you know they had evil among them but now evil is rotting in hell and then Joy gives another speech in 1995 about how She's exhausted and when they look at her and Kate, they're thinking of Martin and she is tired of thinking about Martin and Jeanette 
and she's just really angry and makes a toast to like them the good guys like just creating evil i guess because martin's not there and they want i don't know some more of a like someone to dump all of those feelings on i'm sure and then ironically in 1993 she made a toast welcoming and gushing over martin harris and then this is when Jeanette, Mallory, and Vince throw shaving cream filled balloons at the crowd because they want to be bad for whatever reason. Because it's the 90s and grunge is in. Honestly, whipped cream water balloons, though, sound really fun. Or shaving cream. But yeah, still a fun time. Fun time. Kate heals online, as all people who've gone through trauma do to, I think, some extent. And she's finding some support chats, like abduction victim chats, which is like a wild chat room to think exists, but I'm also kind of glad that it is. And she realizes that other people have trouble sleeping too and trusting other people. In 1993, she's drinking from a bottle and she's drinking for the first time. She offers this bottle to Scott, but the bottle is empty and he's not going to call the police on her. And Kate is like, just doing all of this because she believes that her mother hates her and she's like you know call the police because she'd be the prettiest girl there which is just a weird jail baity line to say but she's drunk so you know you don't always say the best things when you're drunk they also plug whataburger which is a good fast food time if you are in the south and have had it so in 1994 jamie meets up with jeanette and she is like she didn't do the things that kate is accusing her of and Jeanette is like, hey, Kate's been through a lot, so she's probably not in her right mind right now. And she thinks that Kate's trauma is making it hard to know what's true and what isn't, especially after watching, like, the man who kidnapped her get shot to death. Like, is she just... I mean, it's science that they say that that is gonna mess with your memory no matter what. And Jamie asks Jeanette if she saw Kate, and she tells him that she didn't and makes him like look her in the face to like know that it's that and he doesn't know and she says she would never lie to Jamie and she kisses him and Kate watches all of this. And in 1993 we realize it's not Rod who's cheating with Candace, it's Joy who's cheating with Scott and Joy 100% thinks Kate is better and Kate witnesses them making out and is like you know we have to be careful because Kate is getting nosy and Kate sneaks out of the house and runs down the street barefoot. I'm also very curious as to how Kate got that wine. I'm guessing she just swiped it from the party. And I didn't really get the chat room scene in 1995 because she asked somebody like what they would do if they found out and Kate is like she's not being completely honest. I don't really know what they're talking about. I think it's meant to be a mystery. I'm assuming that she's Kate is saying she's not being completely honest in just everyday life. I'm confused but. So in 1994 Kate is making a statement to the police and she suspects that Jeanette saw her captive around December, but she never called calendar or clock when she was locked up, which is just really hard to think about too. Like, how do you even know the passing of time? Just really terrible. And Kate presents the necklace as proof. Kate's mom is shocked by her piercing and Kate brings up what the pastor told her when she was rescued, which is God only gives you what you can handle, which is just like, feels pretty trite. That doesn't feel like God giving her something either. That definitely feels like evil having won and then God prevailed. But 
yeesh, you know? And also, Jeanette is suing Kate Wallace over defamation of character, which honestly, I think she should. I really do. So in 1993, Jeanette is not into contacts. A lot of people aren't. I don't super mind them. Now it's harder with my like eye thing to put them in my left eye because it's just like a whole emotional journey every time, even though I wish it wasn't. But I would say I, I usually... I've come to start loving glasses these past couple of years, but I usually like contacts. Jeanette's poor brother is being uninvited to parties in 1994 because of the claims about Jeanette. And Cindy, Jeanette's mom, is like getting worried about Kate spreading the story more. And in 1995, Jeanette gets hit by Kate in like her car and she's just yelling at Jeanette that stole her life because there was this pathetic, which is like a thing that her mom literally said. So that's very weird that it's like happening and Kate is just like calling her trash. I get being angry. I understand wanting having someone to blame. I've also like I I truly believe like you shouldn't bully back and I understand like what it is sometimes like you lose control of yourself so I understand it but like I don't think these are the best choices being made right now. At least Jeanette's family did get involved in Jamie hitting her in 1994 and Hey, for that Hispanic representation, yes, that's what my company's all about. But yeah, yeah, it's a little too late, but, and, yeah, everybody is problematic in this little town, but welcome to Texas. <laughs> so, in 1993, Mallory shows Jeanette and Vince some marijuana she stole from her mom, and Vince swiped some wine, and Jeanette stole her brother's dirty magazine. None of them smoked. They don't want to do weed wrong because they're all nervous because they've never done it. And then Jeanette and Vince are like, uh, you know what? Weed is probably over the line. So he's just burying it. And then they're like, no, no, no. Let's just flush it. And so it appears as if she flushed it. Dot, dot, dot. I also love that they were like, we can't bury it. It might grow. And like the process for growing weed is so like particular. But all right. All right. Yeah. Or Jeanette in 1995 is scrubbing the words slam pig after her car which is a word that disparages women and is like another word for slut and greg is like oh that's wonderful which is just really rough to be honest i'm ignoring vince's storyline where he called it and is like he's nervous about his testimony because vince is honestly a very boring character to me but is what it is you know Mallory had to go home because her mom couldn't find the remote i don't know is that has that happened to people where they Finding the television is so important that they interrupt their children having fun times with their friends. Like, what's happening? And Mallory gets all mad that they flushed the pot because she feels like she's going to be grounded. So Jeanette is being questioned in 1994. They're not holding her. They don't have any evidence, so they can't really touch her. They threw away the necklace given by her ex-friend because there was like a falling out between them but yeah so the necklace that Jeanette explains it away because she's like she threw away the necklace after their falling out and she was also notes that like there were several other necklaces that were the same and Jeanette believes that Kate is lying because she was dating Jamie Henderson Kate's ex but 
I'm sure Kate didn't think that they would ever break up. While in 1995, Jeanette is practicing how to be more likable still to get people to believe her. And in 1994, Jeanette's mom is like, that was Jeanette's necklace and that Jeanette just lied to the police. And her father is just like, stop, you know, rumors are just spread by people who are bored with their lives. And Greg also explains, you know, that it was not okay for Jamie to hit her. And he says that they don't lie, but they're also not going to tell her mom because he thinks that her mom will freak out, which is a confusing message for a teenager. Then in 1990, or 1994, Kate is looking for a movie and kind of has this exchange with Jeanette's old friends. And Vince is like, thinks that Kate's movie selection of Silence of the Lambs, Misery, and Groundhog Day are weird. But Mallory thinks that it's comforting to see monsters, which for me wouldn't work, but I guess maybe for Kate they do, and there are definitely less options in the 90s. Matt talks to her mom about flushing the weed, and her mom is like, hey, you know, sometimes you outgrow friends, and Jeanette is like, doesn't feel like people want to be your friends, which I... I feel similarly. And Cindy says that she should be friends with Kate and her mom was also a homecoming queen and Joy was awkward back then and followed her around and Jeanette is like doesn't think that she's pretty enough for her mom's life like that where all these men are interested in her and her mom is like hey you've got good genes too you know your braces are gonna be off and it's only a matter of time which she was semi-right. In 1995 Jeanette leaked the lawsuit to the press before serving Kate and her dad wasn't really happy about that but I also understand Jeanette just needing needing a break. 1994 Vince believed Jeanette at least. It seems like it has changed but he once did. Then the one sort of interesting thing about Vince is that he's gay and he's dating Ben but he's like one of the most boring gay characters I've ever met but they go public together. I don't know it's hard in like past gay stories because sometimes I feel like they don't have enough significance and so much of it is like the fear of the time because everything had to be buried and it's it's such a new world to live in things where gay things are fine even though it like shouldn't be it's really honestly the past used to do it too and now there's been so much time of repression so I think it's hard to like go back into these times and like see that fear because we all want to be like no you're free now but like at those times you weren't. Jamie makes it clear to Jeanette that he cannot abandon Kate and Jeanette wants Kate to talk with her but Jamie's not going to help facilitate that and Jeanette remarks that she's good at keeping secrets so Kate won't find out about the kiss and he wants to know how she knew Kate was missing before anybody else did. So in 1993 Jeanette is breaking into Mr. Harrison's house prove to her friends that she's serious about the list and she doesn't want to like fight with them and she stole Martin Harris's old yearbook and that ends the fight between Mallory and Jeanette which I just their friendship is toxic it's for the best I think that they're not friends. So in 1995 Jeanette is in the basement of Martin Harris's house with the boarded up windows Vince confronts her on this and she reminds him of how like the first time they came she had a weird sensation that something bad was going to happen and she worries that she unleashed something down here and that she is responsible maybe for the evil forces and she wants the responsibility to try to undo it and she wants to like reverse things to a time before people wanted her dead. Also Mint admits to Vince that 
she's been into the house many times because she gets a rush going into there. And Vince, however, like states that she didn't go to the house. We do find out that Jeanette does have a little history of lying because there is the joint that she said she flushed down. She had kept it, which that is mad messed up. Like, you just didn't want to share your weed? What's happening here? Find an answer to what abductors feed their victims, and it is trail mix, which seems hellish in itself. We also find out that Kate and her stepsister's relationship is pretty complicated and that they're not always, it's not always easy. Kate is also just weirded out that like she was locked in her basement and then her family was out like looking at samples of wallpaper. Kate's stepsister is also not a fan of their mom, which understandable. This lawyer is basically like to win this case, you have to just have the consistent details of your memory and that Jeanette was smart to prepare a case in secret, but Kate is going to be smarter because she's arming up first and she just has to prove that she's essentially not an unreliable narrator. So in 1994, Kate is at therapy and Kate is assured that, you know, it's a safe space, but Kate doesn't believe in any safe spaces anymore. And she just feels like everything is a cage, even her bedroom. She once belonged, but she doesn't anymore. And because the world just kept spinning without her. And I feel like that's a feeling that, I mean, I can really relate to that of like, when you're dealing with your trauma, you come back and you realize like the world still moved on, like nothing slows down in your healing. And that can be a really isolating feeling. So in 1995, Kate claims that she was in captivity for months, and then she heard someone break in, but they left before she could see them. But she had peered through the cages of the window and she saw Jeanette fleeing the scene. And she is sure that they held eye contact. And her and Mallory are getting high in the bathroom after this because it's, I guess, just very stressful and whew, not helping that memory in question. But I guess they got high after. But in terms of like, I don't know. I don't know if that's a smart idea when you're on a legal case. 1995, there's a note on the door that has liar for Kate. So that's not, not the best, but also... You get what you put out there in the world, you know? In 1993, Joy, Kate's mother, has invited Martin Harris on their, like, shooting trip. They literally call him another shooter, which I think is just ironic. And Joy just did it because she was like, it's a thank you for escorting Kate back after the party. But it just, I don't know, provided a way for Predator to get closer. In 1994, Kate and Mallory, we find out why they became friends. is because they're both in therapy. And Mallory is very, like... You know, therapy shouldn't be a secret because it's fine, uh, which is pretty progressive, especially for that time. And Mallory's in there because she's a child of divorce and that there's a lot of verbal abuse going on. And that's when she also finds out that Jeanette and Mallory are no longer friends and that, well, Mallory had once come to her third grade birthday party and she confesses to Mallory that she saw Jeanette kiss Jamie but she's not going to call her out because the police is going to deal with her. And the thing is, I don't know that people can just go to jail because isn't there that like, I don't remember what it's called, but there's this act of like you, like innocent bystander, like you don't have to help out people if you see them in danger, especially if it would endanger yourself. Like, I don't, I don't know how they have a case, but Mallory suspects that the note liars from Jeanette. I also love this line of you're not a very nice young lady and you're not a very nice old one. Like dang, so cutting. And poor Kate is under so much pressure because if they 
lose. They're going to lose everything, the house, their college fund. Mallory and Kate are also vegetarians. In 1993, Kate is opening up to Ash about thinking that her dad is having an affair. And she gets really upset because she's like, a rumor like that could ruin her dad. And they don't have the privilege of coming out looking like fine after a rumor like that because of probably like the racism. And she even accuses Kate's mother of like being a gold digger and the one stepping out and just is like over the whole sister thing. So in 1994, Kate swears she remembers everything about the kidnapping and it's not typical where she is misremembering something, replacing memories with a version that makes her more comfortable. And she talks about how in the beginning of the kidnapping, both her and the kidnapper were like learning their roles because there's not like a learning guide of like this situation. And I love this metaphor that they used about how she was a lion and Martin was the lion tamer, tamer, and that he had stood between her and freedom. And he realized that she would claw him to death if she had the chance. Her meal that kidnappers feed is toast with jelly on it. Of course, Kate's mom doesn't trust Mallory. And that's also when they do the whole, you're not a nice young lady and you're not a nice old one. And Joy wants to have Jeanette charged with an accomplice to, behind a kidnapping, which is, I feel like, a huge stretch. But either way, they don't have a case because the fingerprints are inconclusive about it. And they're like, we'll do a lie detector with Jeanette denying. And they're like, they don't want to do it, you know, going after a teenage girl. And they feel like even the worst that they could do is community service. And Kate is just doesn't want Jeanette to get away with it and is really just mad that she is the only one who's suffering the consequences. But also like, yeah, I mean, it sucks. Like, it's like, but you are the only one. It was like, unfortunately, you were the victim of Martin. And in 1993, we go to this moment where she had bonded with Martin, the kidnapper, because he opened up about his dad committing suicide. And obviously, I think some trauma there. That is why he was kidnapping girls or just as like, messed up in a way because that is a lot to deal with as somebody who has a parent that I have I haven't had a parent that is successful at suicide I mean, my dad you could kind of stretch to it but it's not that exactly and yeah it's just it's a lot it does a lot to your mind but I mean I'm not kidnapping girls you know for one so everybody responds to their mental illness differently also it was pretty surprising how much Kate knew about stars I don't even know that much about stars but I guess I don't know much about anything Mallory tells Kate that she's her favorite person and she also believes that her mom wrote the letter of the liar and then Kate tells the story about Annabelle and in the story it's like people have secrets a thirst for gossip and accusations and in the story, too, there's a man that joins Annabelle that grown-ups trusted, so that Annabelle trusted him, too. And that trust led to something speakable, which is partly on the grown-ups' hands. Like, it takes a village, basically, to be complicit in a kidnapping. Annabelle has to, like, listen to tapes to get her story straight, which is also kind of like what Kate is doing to prepare for this trial. And then it is revealed that... Ash is the one talking to Kate through the chat rooms because Derek tells that Jeanette went through the stage where she was scared of him. So she just talked to him through a puppet, which is very, very strange. But I guess if it works, you know, at least this kidnapper, he gave her gallons of water, mouthwash, toilet paper, tampons, food, fruit, and vegetables. But a uh, cage is on the window, you know. 
Kate is brave in listening to her therapy sessions. That would be very, very hard. And Kate can't remember who Annabelle is, which is not good in terms of the memory. They start the next episode out in all these different ways to get ready. And there was an empty frame here for a while that was just a lot. Maybe a little. Could have cut it. It's all right. So Kate's lie is that she didn't know Martin because she actually did because she thought that it would make her look bad. Jeanette is really rude to their lawyer and her dad is just mad because they're paying this lawyer a lot and the lawyer is like hey do you have anybody who will like testify that you're a human? In 1994 Jamie is late to the fair for Kate because he had to do chores for punching Jeanette and his mom points out this beautiful lesson that the opposite of love is indifference not hate and that he needs to be sure that he wants to really be with Kate, not just feel bad for her. And Jamie finally stops gaslighting Kate and tells her that he admits that he loves Jeanette. And and then he goes back and gaslights her, though, because he says that, you know, she's not being focused on reality, which is her goal, because she's doing a made-up story about, like, him kissing Jeanette, which is just, like, so gross. Dump him. Jeanette is going to sit in the dunk tape to pay her legal fees. Jeanette's side of the family has much to lose as Kate's where they can lose like because his dad could lose the job his reputation because he was a reputable real estate lawyer and also cost him the image of his like perfect daughter who never heard a fly which is like yeah it sucks that it was like hard for everybody to have this like one kid and that there's no way to repair this reputation like it's just like move you know her dad is still so harsh on her like what an awful experience also in 1993, Kate is going on the date with this guy, Gideon, who thinks she's the coolest girl. And she's like, no, that's Kate Wallace. And she does lie to her date that she knows Jamie, which I, she like knows of Jamie. So that's a great one. But And I'm so for Kate breaking up with Jamie and being that just like the weird that the lying of that they can kiss her and messing her with her memory and making her doubt herself like it is awful. It's so gross. Also, how hard would it be to, like, see a magazine image of being described as a psycho? Also, like, maybe let's just not describe people as psychos. Like, I don't, I mean, I know sometimes they can act like it, but people aren't one word usually. Also, Kate and Mallory go to the dunk tape where they think that the person in it is Jeanette, but it is uh, Jamie instead. And honestly, I think he deserves that dunk more. Also, one of the only friends Jeanette has is her dad's girlfriend who is, like, this owner of this bar. I think her name's Angela. I really liked her. And Jeanette's mom doesn't like the town anymore in 1994. She's watching a show about Bill and Hillary drinking wine, you know, a low point in life, a low point in life. And if somebody had spit at her car in the parking lot, they said mean things to her about her daughter. And they talk about how when somebody dies on a commercial air flight, they move the body to first class and then somebody has to sit next to her corpse, which is just like... Oof. So her dad met his new girlfriend because she accidentally hit his car and he gives her his real estate card because she's looking for a new apartment. Jeanette basically dropped out of school, which is just pretty sad. In 1994, she takes space from her old friends, which maybe would be for the best. I could understand that that's like a lot. Also, Jeanette's brother is like the Wallaces always win whether they deserve it or not, which is a very weird thing to say, but seems to also be the truth. And he wants her to be the geeky Jeanette no one noticed, but she's like, she can't be that person again, which makes sense. Like, it's hard to go back to the geek fully. I'm kind of there right now. 
we also catch Jeanette lying to Martin about how she knows where he's from because of like the yearbook and stuff. Because Martin is also at the carnival because he was raising money for the school. And Jeanette gets made fun of for dating a loser like Gideon. She makes herself lose to like let him win. And then Jeanette gets so humiliated by the girls making fun of him is that she says that she doesn't even know him and then leaves, which is pretty rough. Also, they let Jeanette in a bar in 1995, but I guess they don't serve alcohol, so it's fine. But I don't even know if Mario's can be in the bar. So then a drunk Jamie does admit that he kissed Jeanette last summer and he lied to her because he thought he was protecting her. But really, she needed to know the truth and... Kate is already like, I knew that. And he asks if he wants to, if she wants to hit him. And he just repeats what he said because she wants to hear that she was right, which I respect. It's, I, it's apparently very, very hard for a man to admit that. Then Martin creepily says in 1993 that he mistook Kate as an adult at first and she like wants him to say hi to her and he like grabs her scrunchie and is looking forward to see her again. It's pretty gross but he gets her a large pink bunny so there's that and yeah it's grooming and it's it's rough. He also makes Jeanette feel bad for what she did to get in making him feel rejected humiliated and alone and how would like Jeanette feel in that situation and Jeanette gets really all teary-eyed and apologizes and she sees Kate scrunchie and she's like oh hey I'll take it to Kate and he hands it over because I think he was hoping to keep it to have like an excuse to go to Kate which is disgusting and then Jeanette is bonding with her dad's girlfriend to karaoke the best way to bond in my opinion and poor Jeanette gets all sad when she has experienced kindness which very very relatable it's hard when you don't always have it and then Kate takes her anger out on a stuffed bunny better than a person also Jeanette stole Kate's scrunchie so there's some stuff going on and poor Jeanette is blaming herself for their divorce and Angela gives Jeanette wonderful advice that she shouldn't have to make herself less like a nerdy nobody, she shouldn't have to make herself less for anyone. So true. This is true to you if you need to hear it. And then Mallory argues away stealing in 1993 because corporations budget for those kind of losses. So it's a victimless crime. But like, let's just not steal. Why are we doing this? But they all have to steal before they can sneak into a scary movie. So right, because of these dumb grade rules. Also, it is weird, like, Jeanette regrets, like, not being this weird person that was, like, practicing what day she would give Kate Scrunchie back and being this, like, heavy breather person that seems to also have gotten her in trouble in a weird way and, like, also just devastating that Kate was crushing on the principal and it's just, oof, crushing on your kidnapper, you know, crushing on a bad man. Then one mom, Tanya, invites Martin out for dinner, but he's reluctant he says because she's a parent to one of the students, but I think it's because he wants to date a student because he's awful. And then her friends tell Jeanette, her like old friends that she stole from Kate, tell her that basically she's been relocated to Loser Island and they're not going to be joining her, which is oof, devastating. So mean. Jeanette then takes the blame for Vince stealing the CD, which is maybe for the best because she is of lighter skin and we know how racist the police force can be. But she ends up getting taken into custody by mall security and waits into a room with like Jamie and he got busted for something to do with the fountain as part of a dare. So they kind of bond there being two baddies. 
then Jeanette's mom gets this call that's a prank because somebody is looking for kidnapping tips from Jeanette, which is just awful. And she gets really upset because she's like, you're harassing an innocent family. And they're called the Twisted Turners. And then her mom discovers Jeanette's secret stash that she's keeping. In 1993, Jamie and Jeanette are still bonding. And she is all smooth and being like, she makes trouble but doesn't get caught. Which is just like, of course, compelling to a teenage boy. Jeanette lies to her mom and says that she has never been inside Martin's house. I wish she came clean personally, but we knew she wasn't going to. And even though Jeanette lied to her mom, she knows that with her motherly instinct and intuition, she knows that her daughter is lying and they want to see if the key fits in Martin's house, but her dad is all worried of like what people would think if they saw him in broad daylight. Vince confronts Jeanette on pushing him away and she just thought she would be best because she just felt like she ruined enough lives. Jeanette also having the dopamine hit in 1993 when she was in Jamie loves that she had this thrill of almost getting in trouble but not. Well, Vince is, like, done with all of it and kind of disappointed that Mallory, like, abandoned them. And Jeanette is also annoyed that Mallory constantly pressures them to do what she wants without backing down, which I agree, Mallory, is problematic. We also give Jeanette some cool points because she's cool with Vincent being gay. Jeanette almost gets busted by Tanya and Martin returning earlier than expected for drinks when she's breaking in the house. Then we catch that Tanya is lying that Martin was not aggressive with her when they were alone because really in 1993 she was like very much into him and she even admitted to him that her ex plays child support for her daughter even though he's not the biological father. And Jeanette gets all mad when she sees this interview where Tanya is lying because Jeanette burst out that like she's lying and her friends that she stole from Kate are like you're you defending a pedophile when she's not she's just like this is not true and her old friend called her and her mom husbands which are just rough so Tanya finds Jeanette in the house which is not good for her case but Jeanette pressures in Tanya by saying like hey if you're gonna remark that you saw me I'm going to tell about how what you're doing is illegal about the paternity and child support fraud. And the lawyer just doesn't want to know that Jeanette had anything to do with Tanya going back on her testament. Then we see her mom in present day bonding with the dad's girlfriend. And we find out that Jeanette really blames her mom for the separation. And her and Angela kind of bond over a drink and catching up on Jeanette. And Jeanette's mom wanted to be a flight attendant and fly the skies as a career. And that she's kind of thinking of pursuing this dream. And Cindy opens up more to Angela about how she made all these sacrifices that she felt like she was disappearing. And she wanted to break the cycle to leave a different blueprint for her daughter and Angela is really supportive of that like she's like I own a bar and Cindy can kind of see why her husband her ex-husband likes Angela and Angela's like she likes Cindy too and she also admits she's like hey just so you know I didn't steal Greg because you already left him and Sydney thinks that that's amusing that that's the version that Greg told Angela. And Sydney goes in about her dream in the past in 1994 to her husband about how he thought it was unrealistic to travel while they were raising kids and she was just like she hadn't been loud enough about her desire and 
is feeling like she pushed Jeanette to blossom but never showed her how, which is why Jeanette made all these mistakes. And she's getting mad that she needs proof for her husband to take her seriously, that she believes that the the key is to Martin's house that Jeanette has. And, and we also find out that she had it confirmed that it is Martin's house and that her dad also learns that it is the key to Martin's house that her, their daughter has. Hard yikes. So Kate admits that she's struggling with food because Martin used it to control her. In 1995, her and Mallory are smoking weed, which is just, I don't think, the best for the circumstances, even though I understand the urge. Martin also tells her when she was kidnapped that people gave up looking for her, which is just awful. And then Jamie is being just a how the 14-year-olds are, and he wants to buy Kate a promise ring in 1993 because he has dreams of building a big family one day, and he sees... A future with Kate. So in 1994, Mallory is invited on Kate's birthday, and this is kind of their friend anniversary. And the reason that they smoke weed is because Kate is like, she doesn't have an appetite, and Mallory is like, oh yeah, weed will help. Then Kate's really worrying about her memory because she can't remember the Annabelle stuff. And Mallory says in 1995 that they're giving Kate a day off of their lawyers, and she steps in as the keeper of her birthday. And that uh, they're just not allowing her to talk about the trial, which is probably for the best because, like, talking about that every day would be really stressful. In 1994, Kate finds joy again through nachos, which I just a joyful food, honestly. And their sister even notices that they're high, but won't narc because she also gets high too. Then Kate gets a little wild at watching a horror movie because she panics, telling the girl to run and hurry because the person's going to get her. And it's just have some PTSD, which is pretty awful. And Kate has a conversation with Rod as she's just so curious in 1994 how he could forgive her. And I love this line where he goes, you know, losing you was an earthquake. So everything else was a speed bump. Like, just beautiful. Great writing. We also learned that Kate was very conflicted going on the show and was often told to, like, not discount it just because it was her mom's idea. We also find out that there was another teen from Widow Falls that had a near miss with Martin before he moved to Skyland, their town. We also learned that Martin had told Kate about this teen girl and that it wasn't anything special that he would just help the girl after class, which is just like something an awful person would say, like, you know, always like downplay it. They always do. Then in 1993, we have Jamie being an utter buffoon again because he's like so drunk. He's like spilled stuff on Kate's dress and gets all mad when his promise ring wasn't the favorite present and ugh. and she also just like says that oh yeah it's my dream to have a big family and a big house too haha <laughs> like but it's not really her dream so Kate and Mallory go to the roller rink because Mallory works there and could put out that it's closed for maintenance and so they have a good time skating which is honestly necessary even though both of them suck a little bit so Martin helps give Kate a ride and Kate always worries that her mom is going to be mad because she broke the rules and Joy has all these high expectations of her even though Joy breaks her own expectations herself and her mom assumes that Kate was drinking because she smells of booze because Jamie spilled it on her and so she like lies and says that Kate is food poisoning and that's why she was late and Kate just like points out to her mom that she doesn't have the honesty problem her mom does and Kate gets so mad she admits to Rod that she saw Joy kissing Scott Jones and 
her mom accuses Kate of lying for attention again, which is very ironic in this whole case. I feel like this case is so much about Kate and her mom more than about Jeanette. Her mom even like slapped her. It's pretty awful. The mom smacked her after calling her a bitch, but first screamed that she was a brat. So yeah, we're seeing that kind of liar dynamic of like, oh, don't do what I do. But you're like compelled to as a child to almost mimic your parents and then getting punished for it even though that's what they want you to do narcissist man narcissist joy feels no guilt too because she's just like she will discipline how she sees fit and it's just awful and then we find out that it really was joy who wrote liar on the door because mallory had found it in the printer i guess mallory and Derek have a thing together in 1994 at least it turns out Joyce, too, is jealous because she's forgiven Rod and she's mad at Joyce for making her be obedient and letting her get to know this bad guy and urging her to go on the show, to which she got sued for. I 100% believe that Kate has a point in being mad at her mom for raising her to be trusting, obedient, and punishing her because then it's like people like Martin take advantage of her. And her mom is like denies that she should be mad about getting sued because Kate went off script so it's on her fault and Kate is just like she's not a puppet and Joy said that she that she wrote the letter because she believed that Kate needs a bad guy to motivate her and she wanted her to take the lawsuit seriously and she apologizes Kate for not protecting her from Martin Harris which is big of her and promises that she will die trying to protect her from everything else, even if Kate hates her for it. So Kate's mom is basically verbally abusing her and calling her predictable and boring and tacky, which drives her straight into the vice principal's house, Martin's, because she just wanted to run away from her mom. Martin, because he's such the worst, tries to blame it on Kate of like why she's down there because she was like calling him names and saying that he was sick. And it's just like, dude, wake up, you know? <laughs> Derek gets the transcripts from Kate's like chat room uh, in being a good brother. And in the transcripts, it's revealed that Kate went to Martin's willingly, which changes a lot. So in 1994, Jeanette's dad confronts her about the key and she insists that she only used it once, which is she's lying. And then she says, you know, it was for the list last summer. And he's like, I could have been fired for this and she could have been fired for theft. But she still insists that she never went to the house and he wants to make her tell the police after school more of the truth. So in Kate going to the house willingly... It is all demonstrating that she can bend the truth. In 1993, Mallory is like judging her for carrying around Kate's scrunchie, which is like a little weird. And Jeanette's still mad at her mom, even though she got a necklace from Paris. And her mom is like, well, let's travel together. But Jeanette is going to go for her GED. And Jeanette says that she doesn't hate her, though. And her mom is also saying like, hey, you know, maybe you shouldn't sue a kidnapping victim. And Jeanette is, like, so mad that she's on Kate's side. And her mom is just like, this is a lose-lose situation, which I think in a way, yeah. And her mom goes on about her dad, but Jeanette stops her because he's like, hey, you know, my dad not be might not be perfect, but he stayed, which is dang, you know. What can you say to that? You know, she, she got a point. Jamie tries to get a job at Angela's bar, but he has a record, so... He can't work with cash and alcohol. In 1993, Ben and Vince got together because they both bonded over their mother dying. Ben's mom died of cancer 
and had the stress of just like every day wondering if that's the day that she dies and then it didn't come for a whole year and then Vince's mom died in a car accident and she was dead hours before he knew and he tries to remember those hours where he didn't know his world was upside down and Vince is like the last thing that she said to me was the request for string cheese and Ben says that he did want to be brave enough to tell her but he didn't and he told her he loved her and then that was it which is that's hard I mean I don't think you need to know the owing and like I sort of believe in angels or that the death can maybe watch what's going on and maybe that's silly because I also believe that when we die there's utter blackness but I need that because I'm so exhausted by life but yeah I I feel like it's weird sometimes that you want that acceptance from parents I guess I have had to like not have it in my life so much that I just stop wanting it Jamie does apologize for punching Jeanette and says he regrets it every day of his life he got caught up in this macho protective thing which was dumb and he thought that he was defending Kate and yeah I'm I'm happy for him not to apologize that's at least big it's like came a year too late but like yeah men really do struggle with being macho and it they're suffering you know they're just suffering then we have this gross scene in 1993 where Martin lies to Kate's mom's face about where Kate is when he knows and it's just oh yuck yuck as a person also he talks her out of going to the police so that it can be private and quiet and he doesn't want the police to think she's negligent super super gross also this is how Jeanette knew that Kate was missing because she overhears this conversation between Martin and Joy and Jeanette is like volunteers to Kate's mom and says that she's Kate's friend even though her mom does not believe that and is like I'm here if you need anything and Kate's mom is like what would I ever need from you which is maybe her to not sue your daughter you know but that's in the future. Angela gets over her barriers because she's worried that Greg and Sydney should be together but Greg is like you know our marriage never felt right not how he feels with Angela and they kiss if you wanted them together. It just kind of felt like they were already together and there was nothing we could do as an audience to influence it, but all right. So then Mallory does this thing, which is just stupid, where they're putting in this prank video of like their favorite teacher doing silly things. And he was on video from his home in that morning and he makes her take it off because that is, he's stolen a child, you know? And Mallory gets all mad that Jeanette abandoned her and Jeanette is like, but wait, there's stuff about Kate. And she's just like, Mallory's like, well, Kate is awful, you know, and out of your league. And Jeanette gets all mad about that. Vince lies that a teacher came, so he had to run off and doesn't tell about how he was like bonding with his crush. It's kind of awful. Boys escape all the trouble, you know. And then Jeanette calls back in circles, which I think is actually a really good point. Very smart, because I would just be like, oh, no confrontation. Forget about this. But she's like, uh, you abandoned us. We were shoplifting. Like, so you can't get all mad about this. But Jeanette is also like, you know, friends don't bully each other because it's always everything that Mallory wants. And so she wants to make new friends and her own choices. And Mallory's like, so do you want to be friends with me and Vince? And Jeanette's like, I never said anything about Vince, which is just oof, cutthroat. These teenage girls are. So Jamie picked up Ben from practice and he was drunk. And they got into a car crash and so he got arrested for drunk driving and Ben was in the hospital for with a severe compound fracture 
and this causes Ben to not be great at football. And Jeanette and Jamie bond over that, like, every day they wake up for one moment where there's not the memory of, like, the terrible thing that they've done. And Jamie and Jeanette bond again in 1993 where they're, like, he comments on her not having braces and acknowledges that it was the best day of his life when his braces come off because he had headgear and everything and that he really likes her smile. And Jeanette tells Jamie about Kate missing because that she overheard it. And she always says, you know, they suspect the boyfriend's first, so she wanted to warn him. She is, like, awfully too excited when she tells her that news. And then in 1995, we find out a few months after Kate went missing on Christmas Eve, he got a message on his answering machine that was just a bunch of random sounds. He recorded it because it was very important. And the sound is breathing with Till Death do his part repeating in the background. And Jeanette then goes and asks for the snow globe with Mallory, but Mallory says she doesn't have it anymore even though she does these lies, you know, it's just so weird. And we see that in that prank video that was recorded with Mallory too, who's somehow not involved in this case, he can see Kate in the background, but he destroys the tape. So no getting that evidence. So then they talk about grooming and First, like, they isolate the victim. So Martin had seen Kate's unfulfilled need to confide in someone and then basically positioned himself to be the person that she could confide into. And that basically these people will pose themselves as saviors when in reality they're predators. And that false sense of security is a trap, essentially. Oh, so disgusting. We find another twist where Kate wasn't always trapped in the basement. So in 1993, Rod was like, hey, we need to tell the police, but Joy doesn't want to because she's worried that they're going to see Kate as a troublemaker. And Martin gets all mad because he told her to leave to go to school and she didn't. And because she just spent all the time being in his house and looking at him and... He gets all mad because he could lose his job or worse if people found out where she was. And so he answers the phone and states that it's like terrible news that thanks to the detective, she is now an officially missing person. And Kate is like, well, I can just go home. It'll fix it. And we'll just figure out a lie. And he doesn't let her drink because once again, he forgets that he, she's underage, which is just this like weird rationalizing thing that he's doing. And it's Oh, it's so bizarro. I don't like it. And Martin is just kind of having a meltdown that he's like, oh, I should have called the police or your parents. And instead they've asked to play Never Have I Ever the drinking game. Kate feels bad for Martin because they grew to be friends. But the doctor is like, you know what? You know, friendship happens when two people are equals. And with the power dynamic, it was never really going to happen. And then this gross, gross man ends up basically having sex with her or at least like hooking up with her while there's like people on their TV praying for her safe return, which is just ugh, ugh, nasty. So a month in, Kate is like asking Martin to skip work and stay home with her. And I guess she asks him that every day. And he is like, hey, just like pick this place to go. We'll go when it's safe. And she's just, like, daydreaming that they'll move away to Thailand or a French island. Bora Bora would have been a beautiful life had that been a safer case, you know? So her and Martin are 15 years apart. So then she has to go hide in a closet because Jeanette's dad bothers him because his tire blew out and he wants to use the phone. And Martin is like, oh no, I'm sick and the house is the mess and then, you know, my phone is broken and Jeanette's dad sees that 
there's all these pamphlets and he's like, oh, are you escaping or if it is for a school project? And he ends up getting like close to the closet. And he also notices that there are two coffee cups together. And Martin is just like, oh, no, they're both his from the night before. And Kate is all mad that she had to get shoved into the closet. And Martin ends up putting a black curtain so like no one can see in and out. But like, ooh, dangerous. So gross. So Kate says what stopped her from walking out the door is that he had made it clear that it was either him or the outside world and he and she had chosen him for a really long time. And they had this like unspoken rule like they knew what they were doing was wrong. They never talked about it. So they lived in this suspended disbelief. Kate is feeling this thing is like oh her parents are like different people in public than they are at home. But yet here she is doing the same thing with Mark. Repeating your parents' mistakes even when you don't like them. Yeah, that's a hard one. And it's something that comes up regularly. Also admits that Martin always made her feel like everything she needed to be happy was inside his house. Which is like, ugh, like just awful. Poor girl probably not getting any vitamin D. So Kate is starting to get really homesick, especially at Christmas. She's starting to get depressed. She hasn't gotten out of bed yet and it's 4 p.m. And she wants to go to the mall and she misses sunlight, really misses them all as a teen girl. It's around here when she leaves the voicemail to Jamie. This is also around the time when Jeanette left the necklace. Kate didn't tell Martin about Jeanette because she liked having a secret of her own and it felt really powerful and it felt like Kate was hoping Jeanette would tell somebody so that she would leave and Kate admits that she did leave once and I, I don't know, I have a hard time believing that she never would have even told him about Jeanette because I feel like if any conversation got heated, that is where it would have gone. But okay, we need it to work for the plot. I get it, writers. And then it turns out that Kate did leave once and snuck into her house and saw her parents like laughing and drinking. So she went away, even though they're like talking about how they're missing Kate, but she didn't hear it. She just saw the happiness. And then Martin finds out that she had snuck out of the house and that is when Kate became really afraid of him because he wanted to know like where she went and she's asking him not to be mad and then he's like well I'll decide if I'm angry or not which is pretty awful and so she admits that you know she went to her old house and he is like you know do you know how bad it would be if somebody saw you and did she ever think of like what would happen to him and she's just like you know she's suffocating like this is not okay, she can't stand living like this. And he's like, you cannot go outside until you're 18. And he's and she's like, well, if you're saying that, it sounds like you are my kidnapper. And he's like, don't even talk about that. Even though it's like, what is happening? Like the breakdown of this man, you know, is just a lot. And, and she wants to leave. And he's like, you know what, what is gonna happen to me? You know, and he's all mad because he like bought her pearls and stuff for like Christmas. And she's like, I'm not going to tell. And he's like, well, people are going to find out the truth. And it's not really good that she was like living here while people were looking for her. And she's like, okay, whatever. I'm going to figure it out. And he's like, I took you in when no one else would ever have you. And the doctor said too, that he's just like, he was running out of ways to control her. So it had to be this. And so she goes to get her suitcase, which he says is in the basement. And she's like, you know, sorry that it is this way. And then he says, sorry too. And then when she goes into the basement, 
she's been basically set up because basically set up in the basement ha get it because they both have bases anyway terrible time to make a joke in a kidnapped thing but he goes and he basically locks her in the basement and he doesn't open it up which is just awful 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 also, just the sheer drama of putting the pearls on the table when she was going to walk away. Just amazing. So here we are, finally at the jury. We acknowledge that Kate's actions cost Jeanette lifelong wealth and ramifications. And that Kate spread misinformation willingly. And the jury doesn't have to pick sides, but to pick the truth. We go back in time when Kate was on the news saying the story. And Jeanette's dad is like, she legally cannot name her. But she did. But Kate didn't really care about breaking the law just because of after everything that had happened to her. This is when Jeanette cuts her hair. And I, I'm always curious about how they do haircut scenes. Like, I'm assuming it's wigs. I'm, is it the real hair? And they just get it in that shot and everything just has to be set up to be good. I don't know. I'm just very curious. I also love that Kate's, like, AIM screen name is Trauma-Rama. Like, <laughs> amazing. Kate also lies under oath about how Martin took her like he she says that he drugged the soda passed and she passed out and woke up in a basement and it is what she said to the police but it's not the truth and then they release the chat log and the chat log admits that she went willingly into Martin's house and it ends up being a huge blow to Kate's case because she wasn't honest and they find out how like they found the chat is because Ashley is the other person she was talking to. Kate feels really betrayed. I hate when people pretend to not be someone they are personally as just like a Capricorn and everything that I am. But basically Kate feels betrayed because she thought that she was chatting with somebody who went through like the same thing. And that also is like messing with her sense of reality and memory. So Kate confronts Jeanette because Kate is like, $11 million won't hurt her, but it will bankrupt her parents. And Jeanette is like, well, now that you know that I'm going to win, you want to settle. And Kate is like, the chats were a low bro. And she's like, naming me on TV was a low bro. And it's like, you stole my trauma journal and shared it with an entire courtroom, which is super cruel. But Kate also like ruined Jeanette's life. And Kate is like, but you stole mine. And Jeanette's like, you didn't even want it. And... Jeanette is like, she's read pages of her journal, but she doesn't know the whole story. But she does know that Kate is lucky that things were buried with Martin Harris, which is like, man, it's a chilling conversation. Kate thinks Jeanette left her in hell just so that so she could keep Jamie. And Jeanette admits to sneaking into the house, but she promises that she didn't go to the basement. And she swears Jeanette saw her, but Jeanette says she didn't. The night Jeanette broke in, Kate was home alone, messing with the snow globe. And she thought it was Kate, but they she couldn't be sure because it didn't really make sense to later. And she, to Jeanette's defense, Kate was like hiding, you know, she just didn't know what was happening because she wasn't kidnapped really then. She like was, but wasn't in a severe situation as she ended up being. And then they realized that the bike that is being described is not Jeanette's bike, but Mallory's. And Jeanette also realizes that Mallory saw her, which is just... Oof, can't trust Mallory. And Jeanette says that the figure that you were seeing is not her, but Mallory. And Kate finally apologized to Jeanette because she truly thought she was right. So Jeanette and Kate go to the basement to try to unlock Kate's memories. So in the basement, there's a blood stain, which is very creepy. And Kate admits that the night before the rescue, Martin had come downstairs 
and she thinks that he had worked up the courage to kill her. So Martin reveals the police came to his house and that there's only a matter of time before they come back with a search warrant and he introduces Kate to Annabelle, which is the gun that his father used, which is super sick. And Kate is like begging him not to kill her. And he says, you know, go live your life and see the world as you wanted, you know, and know that she was truly loved by him. And he tells her goodbye and puts the gun to his head, which really scares her. And then he lowers the gun before dropping it to the floor. And then he just like freaks out. And then Kate picks up the gun. And points it at him. And Martin is then like, wait, we'll find a way. But then Kate shoots Martin. And she cries. And she sat with him because she was very just in shock. And she was guilty for loving him. And hating him at the same time. And then killing him, which is just really rough. And then in the morning, she calls the police. And I guess they presume that he died in a shootout because of his injuries. But really, it was Kate. That's pretty rough. And... Jeanette remembers hearing like the gunshot. I also don't know if I buy all this because wouldn't her fingerprints be on the gun? Hello? Jeanette says, you know, no one could blame Kate for killing him. And Kate is like, you know what, Sumi, you didn't deserve any of this. Take the money. And Jeanette is like, it's not the money. She just wanted to feel like what it was like to be Kate, to be popular, beautiful, and enough. She just wanted to know what that felt like, like sane, but... It don't always happen for us, Jeanette. So then Kate admits that Jeanette didn't see her and that Jeanette is not a monster that she made her out to be and that she's not a victim and the reporters turn. The press is really mean. Kate is really upset with Mallory who befriended her and didn't say anything. And Mallory is like, I saw a woman living freely, not in a basement. And she had thought that it was Martin's girlfriend or sister and... Kate is like, well, you're half right. And it was like, Mallory is like, it doesn't really make sense for a missing girl to make a call. So she didn't ever really imagine that it was Kate. And Mallory is like, I didn't really think anything until I saw it on the news. And then Mallory is like, if I told the truth, that would expose that you were not only in the basement. And Mallory was going to leave, but Kate doesn't want her to. So then Jeanette gets her own interview as the most wronged woman in America. She's called an inspiration. And Jeanette is just like, I'm just happy the truth is revealed. And then Mallory is like, you know what? Jeanette's still creepy. And Kate is like, whatever. The creep is innocent. And Jeanette says, you know, she wasn't interested in the money. She walked away from an $11 million suit. She has a great dad and a great boyfriend. And Jeanette says, hey, I forgive Kate. She could have cleared this up sooner, but I forgive her. And then Kate and Mallory are just being reckless, dancing in front of a car. And then they both kiss, which I was honestly a little bit rooting for. Because they're just teenage dirtbags, baby. But then we see in 1994 that Kate is shouting for Martin from the basement and saying that if anyone can hear her, this is Kate Wallace. And she shouts for the person walking around. And Jeanette reaches for the handle and freezes and she can hear Kate yell for help but she lowers her hand from the doorknob and smiles so she was more guilty than she knew this whole time and there's gonna be a second season where we talk about this like I I hate that it was a whole lie and it wasn't resolved and we decided okay second season but all right all right we, we are here now what did you think of Cruel Summer are you excited for the second season I'm interested to see what they'll do I don't know if I have any high hope it will be good but I really liked, I mean, it's not the best teen drama I've ever seen, but I, the splitting of time is pretty interesting. There's some cool things. I like appreciate it. I'd give it a B. 
I'd say probably your, I mean, it's a, it's a heavy topic, but I think a 13 year old probably needs to understand this concept because they are unfortunately being preyed upon. So I'd say like 13 to 18, maybe a really competent 12 year old could handle this. And yeah, so give my social medias a follow. If you, if you'd like to donate, that would be much appreciated. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. It was a long one. There was a lot to cover in this series, lots of ground. And yeah, let me know what you thought about it. Let me know other things you'd like me to do. And I hope you are enjoying the second season of Is This Really For Kids?